Welcome to Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community. Hey everyone, I'm your host, Robbie Straczynski, and thanks so much for joining us on episode number 64 of Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town. On this episode, we have the pleasure of welcoming Jamie Gold, the 2006 World Series of Poker main event champion, since his landmark win is still the biggest ever for a main event, Jamie has focused primarily on philanthropy and using his celebrity to help promote and fundraise for charitable causes, often with poker as the vehicle. He's also continued to be involved in a number of projects, which we'll hopefully hear some more about today, as well as what he's been up to during the pandemic times. Jamie, welcome to the Cardstat Podcast. It's good to hear your voice again. No, thank you, Robbie. This is uh, such a pleasure. What a crazy couple of years it's been for the world, not just for me, uh, but it's so nice to be talking to you now. You know, what a, what a wonderful uh, person that you are and <laughs> everything you've done, you know, to promote the, the world of poker. And it's always just such a pleasure anytime um, we can connect. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Jeff. Very kind of you. And uh, yes, in, in full disclosure, so everyone knows, you know, like, like you know, Jamie, you and I have been in touch for, you know, well over a year. You know, this pandemic has been just crazy times and you've gone through a lot, obviously. Um, you know, we've all gone through a lot, but just sort of trying to, to coordinate this interview and, and make it happen. So I'm just, I just want to, you know, publicly say I'm exceptionally thankful the stars that have finally aligned and you know, you've just you've kindly agreed to give up your time to be with me here today. And, uh, you know, as much as I know about you, as much as, you know, the world knows about, you know, Jamie Gold, you know, the, the main event champion 15 years already, we don't necessarily know what Jamie's been up to, you know, over these last two years. He kind of been a little bit off the grid. I know, you know, very unfortunately, very sadly, you had a, a bit of a health scare. And, but thankfully, you're okay. You're, you're well, you're alive. I think it's good. You know what? To the extent, however, you feel comfortable, can you share with us what the past year and a half, two years have been like for you? Sure, it's uh, it, it's been rough, but it's been rough for a lot of people, and 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 we've lost friends and family, and so many people have gone through the toughest times in their life in the last couple of years. So I know that it's certainly not just me, but I personally had uh, one of the first bouts with covid just about two years ago it was last it was two years ago december so before anybody was really talking about it i thought i had pneumonia and they sent me away from the hospital a couple of times but it turned out that i had uh blood clots covering my lungs and uh stopped breathing twice it was really not fun <laughs> thought i was dead <laughs> um, and uh somehow i just got really lucky and they did not get me on a ventilator, which would have killed me. Oh, you know, looking back on oxygen. it. Yeah, they wanted they wanted me on a ventilator, but there weren't any available at the time. Wow. And if they had put me on, they realized that it would have killed me. Back then, they were just kind of really gambling with mm -hmm. people's lives. They did. They had no choice. They just had to kind of you know try whatever they could to save mm -hmm. people. And I think they saved about fifteen percent of the people, but certain people with that it that had certain issues like myself uh would not have made it but thankfully uh i i did some really radical kind of treatments and uh got focused on my health 
solely and you know stayed away from doing most other things um certainly no podcasts or anything like that <laughs> yeah and uh, and i uh I I'm back to a hundred percent and I I'm just so fortunate and thankful that I got through it and was able to then, you know, share that with other people so that I could help them get through it. And it's, uh, it's, it's been a crazy, crazy couple of years, but I'm, uh, I'm back to full health and I'm going to start playing poker again. And sadly I wasn't able to fly my, my doctors would, no one would clear me to, fly yet so it just wasn't worth the risk for the main event well for anything at the world series this right. year it just wasn't possible it just wouldn't have made sense but i am allowed to start you know playing again and you know like everyone else uh, or most other people i'm vaccinated and we can uh we can move on hopefully from from a lot of the restrictions that we had. So I'll start right. traveling again, you know, in, uh, in the new year. And I'm excited for, uh, to get back to life. I'm so happy to hear that. And we will definitely talk uh, specifically about this past world series, you know, towards, uh, you know, the, the latter part of the show. And, you know, we asked some more poker sure. questions. Um, but wow, you know, just, uh, you know, knowing, you know, how, you know, God forbid, you know, it was just very close. And, and like you said, to be back at, 100%, it's almost like being reborn a new chance. And, um, you know, I, I imagine also, like you said, you know, certainly no podcast, but like, there's a lot of, um, I guess, isolations, a lot of, um, you know, you're, you're a people person, everyone knows, you know, Jamie Golden, you know, a lot fun to interact with, and, you know, just fun <laughs> to speak with, fun at the poker tables. Um, oh, I, I imagine, Thank you. I, well, it's the truth. I imagine you know, that, that, not just on the, on the physical side, but mentally, that must have been kind of difficult for you to not be as social as you had been because you know you kind of had to to focus on your health and, and and be isolated in that way is that right no not really I, mm. I i didn't look at it i never looked at it that way i was just so thankful to be alive wow. and so i just and also just understanding you know we you like myself were empaths and when when i understood what was happening in the world i just you know, just felt so bad for, for everyone who was going through this and the lockdowns and the losses that people were, were having and, the, you know, not past losses of life than people who made it through it had losses of income and losses of, of the ability to work and just all of those things. So I just saw it as being hopeful for the world to come back and to recover from, you know, this really terrible kind of thing that was happening and so no i really i i, I mean i might have had a few moments where wow it would have been nice to uh to be able to get out but it, i was much more focused on the idea of getting healthy and getting back to life and it wasn't no i i really didn't didn't think much about the social aspect of it uh, i'm i'm equally happy uh not going out these days uh, okay. for whatever reason that is it's right. I'm, I'm really happy when I do and I'm really happy when I'm when I'm not I'm just I'm just really grateful that uh, that I made it and that you know my mom made it and right. a lot of our family made it and so you know we did lose some some people very close to us and mm -hmm. it's it was a terrible couple of years you know just looking at it uh, for for what it is, right. but 
but here we are, and I'm very glad that we are doing this now. <laughs> Same here, and obviously, you know, everything starts with gratitude, and you know, just uh, when you know when you start your morning with that kind of gratitude, the perspective, you know, then you know, moving Every forward day. becomes possible. You know, in, every in day I'm, yeah. I'm grateful for. So. I know you are too. It's, yeah, uh, <laughs> absolutely. It's, well, it's a pretty wonderful life that we have, and we're yeah. all very lucky to still be here. Indeed, and you know, perhaps that dovetails a little bit into my next question. I, well, I remember, uh, I'm, I'm sure lots of our listeners, uh, you know, people in the, in the Cards Jack community, remember that we were when we were kind of in the depths, and you know, when there was no vaccine yet, when everything looked glum and, and grim. There was a wonderful gentleman, John Krasinski, who came out with this YouTube series called Some Good News. And it was beautiful. Mm -hmm. I think there were eight episodes of it. And I, every time it came out, it just, you know, focusing on, you know, despite all of the, you know, generally, you know, yeah, it, it was actual bad stuff that was going on to still nonetheless point out the good things, the blessings, the happy things. It was just a wonderful thing. And I, I believe that you had some sort of involvement in that series, right? I did. I did. I, I was just feeling really helpless. And when the pandemic, you know, after I, it, you know, I saw that I, I was, I was still alive. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. <clears throat> I just got something stuck in my throat. I am not sick. Okay. I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm very, very healthy right now. <laughs> so it's you know, anytime someone coughs or sneezes, people right, uh, <laughs> right? people react now. <laughs> it's, it's so uh, true for sure. So I was feeling uh, helpless in in a way that I didn't know what to do for the rest of the world, and I uh, connected with a good friend who was working on this show and asked, had asked me, would you come in and help us with sponsorship and celebrities and any, uh, anything else that you might, you know, be able to bring to this? And I said, absolutely. And they said, wait, look, we don't, we can't pay you. And I said, I, I understand. I'm not looking to be paid. I don't care if it's a TV series and whatever it is. I want to feel like I am doing something positive for the world, even in a small way. I mean, we raised a couple hundred million dollars and, yeah. and it all turned out to be a really large scale kind of thing. And maybe the most watched thing of, of all media uh, during the pandemic. I think yeah. there were you know, a couple billion downloads of, of the clips, not of the entire shows, but right. just of the clips. And I know it made people really happy. And it was pretty incredible what, you know, the group pulled off. Um, I certainly don't take full credit um, for this. I mean, John and his wife and his family, I mean, it's really about them. And then the physical producers that were in his house. Uh, but I was glad that I was able to, to be a part of it and, and help. And we, we certainly did some pretty impactful things. Uh, and it made me just feel better that there was something that I could do to raise money and awareness and make people smile during the pandemic. Because as I said, I was feeling pretty helpless. I mean, what could I do? I was, I was in the hospital for a good portion of that time, even while I was working and people thought I was a little bit nuts, but <laughs> I had the ability to, you know, I couldn't speak very well. I, I, I was having a hard time breathing. And so most of what I did for the first week was just 
on my phone and you know through email and text but uh by the second show i was back home and fully able to work with them and yeah it was just a pleasure it was uh being able to feel productive during a time where a lot of people just felt helpless you know, what, what could we do i also just felt really fortunate at that time like i was i made it i was alive mm-hmm. and there were so many people that needed help and i just had to do something right and like you said you know in the beginning you know they said we can't pay you but it's not always about the money i imagine those feelings that you experienced and that you carry with you till today mean a lot more than any paycheck would have meant oh certainly and also nobody t- took a paycheck no matter what anyone believes wow you know it's so funny how sometimes people think that you know when you try to do something good for the world you know you there's always a few haters that will say oh they're just doing it for the money yeah we were doing it for the money we were raising to be able to donate a hundred percent of every dollar sure for that money but nobody put any money in their pocket until afterwards uh and i wasn't a, a part of you know who cashed in on it afterwards but Mm -hmm. the people that did because it was you know a very large sale to uh to another entity Mm -hmm. uh, which wanted to make it into a brand right which i'm really glad why shouldn't they do something with that afterwards when the world came back but he got a lot of blowback for that and unfairly i mean the guy is so incredibly generous and and kind with his time he didn't need to do any of that and then it turned into something that 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 went up for auction and sold for a ton of money, which, again, I wasn't involved in the financial sale of that, nor should I have been. It was, you know, we we made an agreement. And right. so it was anyway, I'm just uh, very proud of it. I thought it was a, a really positive thing. And anybody who's seen it knows that it was purely to make people happy and for kids that couldn't have a graduation. Yep. put on a graduation and, and got Billie Eilish and Chance the Rapper and the Jonas Brothers to perform for them. And, you know, it was uh, and, every and be, week. Just and being in Fenway, Fenway Park, I remember also. Oh, like a, yes, we did something great with AT&T and, yep. and, and gave away, we gave free phone service I yeah. think, to everyone who was, you know, who was considered a, uh, you know, someone who was working for other people during the pandemic. And they weren't even that, kind of uh you know stringent about it they, right. they just anybody who basically claimed that all right i i'm a, I'm a nurse i'm a doctor i'm a practitioner anybody who was helping in any way whatsoever you're, you're a public servant they just gave free phone service right um they just paid everybody's bills that's a beautiful and thing so it, it was yeah it was it was really nice right and and, 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 and like I'm you said, really glad that we were able to do that. For sure. And like you said, you know, so it did sold, you know, sell eventually and it's a big brand. But, you know, thankfully, we are, of course, moving out of pandemic times and obviously you know, cautiously, carefully. But, you know, the, I, I, I think the general consensus is, you know, the worst of it, thankfully, thank God, is, is behind us and we're moving forward. But it doesn't mean that the world can't continue to use some good news. So I do hope that that does continue in some way, shape or form. Um, I, know I do, I, too. 
Yeah, I, I know myself and, and you know, I'm, I'm sure, you know, so many hundreds of millions of people out there among them, many of our Cards Chat uh, uh, forum members, you know, that, that just gave them a spark of hope and, and joy. And, you know, man, you know, he's, he's a good looking guy. What can we say? John Krasinski smiling to the camera. That just, <laughs> you know, that just makes everyone smile. So that's a good well, thing. I'll tell you what, it, what it also made us realize was that you do not have to have a full TV studio spend $10 million every week, you know, it, 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 it really, it really opened up our eyes to the public's ability to enjoy something that was call it, you know, produced for a, you know, for a dollar, right. Yes. That it was something that had really low production value, yep. but really high kind of, uh, you know, inner value. Right? Resonance. And yeah. so, yeah. And that kind of led me to one of the things that I'm doing now, which was to create a new streaming channel oh. where it, you don't have to have, you know, we didn't have to raise a billion dollars. Um, I didn't have to invest a hundred million dollars to do, to pull something off that looks incredible that, you know, people have really never seen before in that kind of genre. You know, it's not really about poker, but we're going to certainly support the poker community yeah. uh, and build out, you know, anything that we can. I love what they're doing at Poker Go. Uh -huh. And so it's, you know, we're, we're certainly not competing with them or anyone else, uh, but we're very excited about that's, you know, one of the couple of things that I'm really focused on right now and 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 a germ of the idea kind of came from some good news experience that uh -huh. i realized that you don't have to spend a billion dollars and build netflix in order to have right a successful venture like that that that's really cool and, and you know um it's i gotta say it sounds very intriguing i want to ask a thousand questions about that i won't i won't do that just yet but perhaps uh yeah, we, we won't focus on that today but right it, but it's you know, I, I, it's one of the things that I'm really passionate about. Um, cool. And so some good news, you know, certainly had something to do with that. Very cool. Well, perhaps we'll touch lightly upon it. There's a later question I ask about uh, sure. re relevant to that. But I, I also know, you know, I, I couldn't help but notice, you know, over the last while, uh, you have been um, exclaiming your, your pride in something else that you were involved with, something to do with lottery.com. Can, can you share anything about that with us? Yes, I had been involved with them for, I think about six years, maybe. Okay. And uh, they evolved into a place where they had the opportunity to go public. Okay. And it's very rare that you know anyone who does what I do, I invest in in a lot of different companies and and I advise and I'll sit on the board of a few of them and it's it, it's always a pleasure when the people who put their life into something uh, which I had not put in my full time and energy to it. So again, I don't take the credit for the success of this. I just helped them whenever they needed it and uh, you know brought them a lot of value when I could, but certainly the people who created that and built it, uh, which were Matt Clemenson and Tony DiMatteo and 
and the whole team uh, of people around them, um, which I was just happy to be a part of, had the opportunity to go public through a SPAC. Uh, if you know what that is, you know, a special purpose vehicle. And it's, uh, yeah, it was really exciting. Uh, it's currently the, uh, you know, the, the stock took a big dip, uh, but from people shorting it, which is, you know, it's just part of the game of, right. of Wall Street. But it is, uh, it did turn from, uh, from TDAC into LTRY. And so that stock, I don't believe that I can, uh, I can ask people to go and buy it. Uh, but I am very happy that, uh, that I own, you know, stock in that company. And it, uh, there's, yeah, there's a big future. Uh, and it's also just, you know, it's trading so low at the moment that, um, you know, it would seem to be something worth uh, looking at, worth looking at, and there doing you your go. own research on, and deciding for yourself if it's something that you think is a good long-term or short-term investment. That's but really very cool. exciting when when that's you're really cool. you know, and like very, you really care about. I, I got to say, go public. I'm really happy for you. That's that's wonderful when you know uh, one of your bets pays off, and it's not just you know, like you said financial. I know you were clearly involved with them, and I love that you know you shout out to uh, the creators. You know, give credit where due. That that's pretty awesome, and again, it speaks to your character, Jamie. Um, all right, okay. it, it's uh, you know what we do in poker. Sometimes you got to change gears, so let's turn a little bit more towards poker specifically. Um, you were brought up in Paramus, New Jersey. Uh, your mom uh, was really into poker as well. Uh, I'm wondering if there was ever kind of like a, a family home game. Did you ever kind of stay up late at night and, and watch her play or, you know, were cookies, matchsticks and pretzels involved or something like that? <laughs> yeah, I'd, um, I'd been playing my whole life. I, I, I grew up uh, first in Manhattan okay. uh, with my mom and my grandparents. And my grandfather uh, was a, a gin rummy master. And that's really how it all started since I was maybe three years old. Uh, I was really into cards and I would sit on my grandfather's lap and he would play every Friday night, Saturday, Saturday night and Sunday. Wow. And it would be, you know, all his his weekends, you know, really just his free time. That's the thing that he loved to do the most. And it was it was such a great education, and I'm sure that that's where a lot of my card sense kind of came from. And yes, my mom also taught me a lot, and we were very competitive as a family in a very friendly way, but but competitive. And so we would play a lot of games and a lot of cards, and uh, not not always just for matchsticks. Okay. <laughs> so we, would, we, um, you know, not that I, you know, had a bankroll, um, but whatever I, uh, you know, would be given, I was, uh, I was certainly happy to risk, um, because it, it was, you know, as a child, there's no real risk with anything. And people, I'm sure started out by letting me win. And then right. <laughs> that really bothered me. I really not did not like to be uh, given, you know, that kind of, uh, 
you know, generosity, let's right. say, uh, from them, but it, it, it was not fun for me to win if I wasn't truly, uh, winning. Like and that. so, uh, yeah, I, over the years, I, I, then I, I moved out to New Jersey when my mom got remarried to, to my dad. And it's, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was so much fun. We would play, you know, through middle school and high school and, I, I I have some really great pictures of of my friends who would remind me that do you remember taking all of our money during you know in high school and I just want to give it back to everybody but but I I you know was was I took it a lot more seriously than than my friends I remember in summer camp as well that we would only play for, for we, we had candy back then right you would you would go to the canteen and we, we would have, and our parents would send us, we'd each have a trunk full of, you know, candy. And, and I would end up with everything by the end of the summer, <laughs> but I also would then just share it with, with everybody because, you know, it's, it's what, what other way is there? And so my friends from summer camp would also remind me that uh, about, about us playing poker and that I took it a little more seriously than everyone else. And so I, I wouldn't say that I was better. I just cared more. Right. And so it was, uh, yeah, it was, it, it was an interesting life and always part of my life. And, and I, I loved the game and it was something that I had always wanted to get better at, but there was not a lot of opportunity. I'm sure you remember back when there were maybe two or three books. Yeah. If you're talking about, you know, 30 years ago, yeah. Maybe, maybe not even, maybe one. And so there wasn't much ability like they have now to learn every single thing there is to know about the game. And there was no internet. There were no videos that people had created about it. It was, yeah. it was something that I had only heard about the World Series of Poker from watching the movie Rounders. Huh. I didn't know there was a World Series of Poker. And once I saw that, you know, that movie and, and that idea of a World Series of Poker just kind of hooked me. Yeah. And from the moment I saw Rounders, I remember telling, you know, one of my best friends who's now uh, a business partner of mine that and who I went to college with. I remember saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm going to go I'm going to train and go and, and win that thing. Ah, and so and cool. they, you know, just said, yeah, sure. Everyone does that. <laughs> and that is true. Everyone does think that. And, but I'm a little more competitive than most people. That's so and cool. so it's, it's, you know, I, I, thankfully it happened on my first shot and I didn't have to spend my life chasing right. that. Um, <laughs> not that there's anything bad about a life of, you know, with a goal mm -hmm. in that way. I was just, I'm just so thankful because it would have taken away from so many other things because my focus would have been on that, you know, maybe solely who knows. Right. And so, and I like to do, you know, I, I love poker. I'll always be playing poker, but I also love doing a lot of other things in my life. And, and I never wanted poker to be the one and only focus that I had. It's just not for me. For some people, it makes them very happy, but I, I never had the, ability, you know, or just the, the kind of mind that could just go and play poker tournaments all year. It just, it never satisfied me. Sure. Well, the balance is so important. We always talk about balancing your ranges. So having a lot of other pursuits uh, and interests is uh, 
you know, a, a net good thing for most people. So, so I'm, I'm happy for you that it worked people, out that and, way as well. and for some people, it's great for them that, that they want to play 100, 200, 300 tournaments a year. Right. That's wonderful. And, and you know, whatever makes them happy. Mm-hmm. Well, but it I, just I, never did it for me. Right. Well, I, I know, like, you know, as you said, you know, you really started getting more into poker during those famed boom years. Uh, and to the best of my recollection, you ended up getting coached to play by Johnny Chan, who I believe, and, you know, please correct me if I'm wrong, was one of your clients when you were a TV producer, right? Well, in a way, you know, it's, it's I would say he inspired me the okay. most. Uh, more than coaching, but he was certainly kind and generous enough to allow me to hang around and and watch them play at the highest level so that I could figure out what I was actually missing in my game. You know, I, I always knew that that there were things that I just did not even understand when sometimes you just don't even know what you don't know. Right. Right. So <laughs> I, I knew I wasn't the best player. I just knew that uh, that I didn't know what I was missing. <clears throat> so, so he certainly helped me in that way by allowing me to be a part of that world. And in exchange, I had offered him to, you know, to, to help him with book deals and TV deals and movie deals and things like that. While, um, while I was focusing, I, I gave myself one year to, you know, I, I, had, I had really, you know, trained and focused on the game for many years, but I gave myself one year where I was not working okay. and I was just focused. I kind of took a year off. My dad was sick. Mm. You know, he had ALS and it just, you know, made sense for me and my family that I would just focus on something selfish because all they ever saw was me taking care of artists and as an agent and a manager. And, and I was working a little bit in production, but really much more of a representative of artists. And I was working nonstop and I wasn't taking vacations. I wasn't taking time off. It, it was, I was getting burned out and my dad and my mom, they saw that it was killing me. And so they, before he passed, he, it was really important to him to see that I would focus on something just for me for once. You know, I was now 35 years old. It was just maybe 34. It was just time that I had to make a change in my life. And so I, you know, I did it for myself and for them. But it, it was certainly this, the, the best thing that, that, that I had ever done up until that point uh, to try to, you know, not focus so much on everyone else, but to focus on myself. And so poker was my favorite thing to do at that time. So I said I would give myself one year and I would just truly in, get engrossed in the game and learn as much as I could and try to figure out a style that nobody had really used before because I was never going to be able to be the best player in the world. Uh, I just, what could I do that people would not be able to understand well enough? So kind of, you know, a little bit of the Jedi mind trick and yeah. <laughs> some neural linguistics. Yeah, like and neurolinguistic programming, and uh-huh. I would I would study a lot of the things that had nothing to do with the game of poker. Right, it was more about psychology, and they didn't show much of that on TV, which you know is fine. They showed what they needed to show to make it look like anyone could win the World Series of Poker, which is which is great, and it was really good for the game. But if you saw what was really happening, 
it's uh, I, you know, I, I, I had to figure out a way to, to win within the rules. That, right. Um, that wasn't just about the, you know, playing the best poker. Right. And, and I think that, I think that. that's, uh, we call it speech play today. And, and I think that yeah, was speech play. And, and look, I also got very, very lucky and okay. things went my way and I didn't get unlucky when I needed to, you know, I would put it in with the best of it and not getting unlucky. Right. And also had a certain skill of, I kind of knew where I was and I, I, I you know, I, I was able to read people's hands. And so a combination of luck and working really hard at it and creating a way of playing that people weren't used to. And, you know, I was also just kind of in a zone and, you know, sometimes you just get yourself into a certain kind of place where you're almost seeing what the cards that everyone is playing and, and you can kind of navigate your way through 9,000 people. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, sure. uh, you know, I, I don't know that, that it will happen again. You know, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll try um, and I'll, I'll refocus on it again, but um, I'm really thankful that it happened on my first time going to the world series of poker, trying to win the world series, trying to win the main event. You know, it was my first main event. Right. And uh, it really, I, I just got so lucky to uh, okay. that everything kind of worked out that way. And, you know, then and other people were just so generous with me, let's say like Chris Ferguson, Johnny Chan and Doral Brunson and, you know, I, I was I was asking everyone for any kind of knowledge that they could provide. And people would just kind of tell me that whatever it is that I was doing was was working perfectly and not to change anything. And they kind of oh. gave me that extra confidence that there's nothing we could teach you right now that that would help you do any better than you're doing. Wow. Uh, That's probably so, very cool to hear. Maybe perhaps surprising. It, it was. It was because, and it wasn't them trying to avoid, they, I, I would speak to them, you know, more than a few minutes a, right. a day and they wanted to be helpful, but it, they just felt like if they were going to get in the way of what I was already doing, which was, you know, working as well as, uh, you know, as, as any kind of plan could have possibly worked. Plus the cards going my way, you know, you, you can't, you can't ask for a better situation uh, than that. So, yeah, well, it's it's. Well, it's, I, I appreciate um, that you gave the context because, like, you know, there's no way, and I could I could have known that before. I think a lot of people no, no, didn't realize could. that, you know. Nobody could. And look, there was a lot of press and a lot of things written that were not true at that mm -hmm. time, and I just didn't have the time or the energy or the care to correct it right. because my dad was dying. Mm -hmm. And so when, you know, when uh, he was, he was almost in a coma and it, I just didn't care. You know, people were making up stories that I had someone backing me and that mm -hmm. I couldn't afford to play in the main mm -hmm. event. And the only reason I played was because I was, because I was, you know, bought in. Yes, I did have a free buy-in because Johnny Chan told Bodog that I was going to win the world series of poker before we started. And that I was connected to celebrities, which was true. And they had a celebrity poker team. And so they made me one of their quote celebrities, even though I was not famous, right. I was just someone who represented famous people. And right. so, but Johnny Chan said I had the best shot of winning the world series of poker of anyone that he knew. <laughs> so they were trying to get Johnny Chan to be on the team. And he said, I have my own at that time. He had something called Chan poker. Right. And and he said, if I were you, I would just offer Jamie that deal that you're offering me because this guy's going to win the World Series of Poker. 
I had been winning a lot. I think I won 11 out of 15 of these smaller tournaments at the uh-huh. Hustler and Bike uh, before I had, you know, we had these little weekly, like three to 500 people. They, they weren't keeping records back then, yeah. but it was, uh, <laughs> if they, if they had, people would be pretty surprised that, you know, they thought I kind of came out of nowhere, but I mean, I, you know, I, I had a little bit of uh, success, uh, you know, before I had won the world series and playing against a lot of the best players in the world, Johnny Chan and Barry Greenstein and Chris Ferguson and, and all the, all those guys, you know, a lot of the old kind of school famous players who were a lot of the best in the world at that time, right. the professor and, and they, they were all playing in LA. Most right. of them were not in Vegas, right? LA was the poker capital of the world in 2005 and 2006. Mm-hmm. And, and by far the, you know, the, the most, the highest concentration of, of players. And now I'm not, I'm not discounting Europe and, and other places in the world. This is just what I knew of the United States. Right. I'm only talking about the United States because at that time I wasn't traveling to play poker. And so forgive my ignorance of what was going on outside the United States. I'm only talking about what was happening in inside the United States. Um, so, because certainly a lot of the best players were, were not from here. Right. Right. But I also didn't have a chance to play with them because they weren't anywhere near us. Exactly. <laughs> of course. Of course. Well, I mean, obviously, you know, so you win the main event. In, in 2006 and then all of a sudden you know okay well this is the peak poker boom you know everyone knows the name jamie gold and you know oh, okay we're gonna have you know says maury escondani let's have uh, poker after dark let's have high stakes poker and you know uh, we gotta have jamie on and, and i'm wondering you know is this is this sort of like the you know producer in you who sort of said hey i'm a character this is gonna make some great tv that made you want to do that? Or did you kind of feel, you know, obligated as, you know, a poker ambassador, you know, someone who, who gets that title along with the main event to sit in those games and make those appearances? Which one was it? Uh, not exactly either. It was more that I could afford it. Okay. And I wanted to, so I knew that if I lost, it was okay. I certainly didn't think that I was the best player coming into that i knew that that i was you know playing with much more experienced and theoretically better players than myself okay but i i i, I like to learn and i like to have these experiences and i you know it was a once in a lifetime kind of opportunity that once i decided i was going to do it then yes i also felt like i had a little bit of a responsibility as a character Maury and I had become friends before I went on the show and I helped with some of those people you saw in the early high stakes poker were just people in my home game from LA. That's cool. You know, we were playing in a very large home game in LA and some of those people you saw like Bob Safai and, and people like that, uh, Nick Cassavetes and I had brought them in to Mike Baxter was one of them also. Mike Baxter was from our game and, and so it's, you know, I had asked Maury to come and sit in our game at home in LA. And I introduced him to a lot of these people and said, I'm happy to help you. You know, these are really interesting characters Yeah. and, and for the show. So I was just so happy that I could be helpful in, in, you know, in some of those early shows. And so of course I wanted to play myself. Right. And what people don't, <laughs> and what's so interesting is that 
is that what I get a lot is, is people didn't understand the same way that they thought that maybe I didn't pay someone after I won the world series, which just wasn't the case. Um, you know, it's, it's just so funny how it's all public record, but people make up stories and hear rumors and think, Oh, you were trying to take advantage of somebody. It's complete opposite. Right. But, uh, on high stakes poker, people thought I lost a lot of money. I actually broke even. I was down about, I think about 50 grand. I, I think I won maybe 350 the, in the first 10 shows. And then I lost about 400 in the second 10 shows, but you get paid very small amount of money. And when I say small compared to the money right. we're risking, right. you get paid maybe, I don't know what it was, you know, 1200 an hour or yep. something, or yep. maybe it was, Right. Something like that. I can't remember what it was, but whatever it was, I ended up with at least 60 grand from, you know, net from the from the, the show salary of the show. Right. And then. Right. And so if you so you're fronting me that over because I played a lot of shows and what people don't they kind of they kind of forget the shows that I won. But the shows that I lost were were, were so famous. Right. right? That, <laughs> they were such exciting hands. Yeah. And they forget that I also. I also was set up to lose one hundred and seventy thousand uh, dollars, you know, that more on that hand against Sammy, and yep. that saving that one hundred and seventy is kind of like winning one hundred and seventy. <laughs> That's so, for sure. You know, perspective. I mean, look, Doyle sure. Brunson said to me, he said, "There's no poker player in the world that should have ever not lost that money that you didn't lose." Uh -huh. You, you, you know, aces against kings against yep. the guy who was the most aggressive on the button, who was stuck seven million over the weekend. How could you possibly? save $170,000 by not getting him to put you all in, which you would probably have had to call. Right. And so, and if he put me all in preflop, of course I'm calling. Right. It, and so it was, it, it was, it, you know, the, the, my craziness and that speech play, like you called it, uh, saved me 170 grand there. So yes, I was set up. The cards were set up so that I should have been down at least one hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Right. Uh, but I actually broke even. So if you can imagine the experience and what I learned from all of that, and breaking even during that time, <laughs> that's a win. Incredible, like, oh, that's a huge win for me. I mean, yeah. I planned on you know the the possibility for losing. Right. So right. a break even, beautiful. Well, one of one of the places where, you know, kind of like everyone wins, and this is, you know, you've obviously been so tremendously involved. You've helped raise millions and millions of dollars through charity poker tournaments uh, where you've appeared as a celebrity. You've been involved a little bit behind the scenes as well. I'm wondering, you know, of course, there is that competitive nature, but it's a charity poker tournament. Are you still gunning to win those when you play? And, and beyond that, what else do you enjoy the most about charity poker tournaments? I, uh, no, I mean, I, 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 oh, I fully enjoy them. And I, I think I'm, I think I'm now doing number 366 and 367 wow. coming up this year. Uh, you know, I had to take two years off, yeah. but I, uh, I, I really enjoy doing these. And for about 10 years, when I was pretty much just retired and you know kind of maybe investing in some things but in general i wasn't working very much i focused on doing about three a month which was also not not necessarily a healthy schedule you should do 
maximum one every month. And I was doing three a month. And yeah, I like to get more involved than just appearing. I like to help them with everything from I can bring the celebrities, I can bring the sponsors, I can bring the the high net worth, you know, donators, I can help you raise, you know, a million to 10 million on each of them. And I'm very, very proud about the fact that I also donated 100% of the money that I was ever paid for, you know, I would usually just not even take the payments. But a lot of people also thought, Oh, you're just doing it because you're being paid for it. Now, I should have been paid for it. I should have kept the money. It's absolutely okay when people like, you know, I, I saw people saying something negative about Phil Helmuth that, you know, he was paid to do a charity. But you know how hard that he worked for that? And you know how many people are working for the charity, getting paid to do that? Whatever he chooses to do with that money, he earned it. And he helped them raise $10 million. So they paid him whatever they paid him. Yep. Good for him. And if he chooses to donate it, he could donate it to any charity. He doesn't have to. He already helped raise ten million for that charity. Why right. shouldn't he do whatever he wants to do with that money? It's just, it's so silly. And the people who usually are are kind of, you know, having things to say about this are people who are not donating any donating anything themselves, yep. who are not successful in their own life, who are just sitting on the internet and bashing other people. Like it's, uh, you know, it's, uh, it's very funny how, how, uh, uh, people react to these things, but getting back to it, no, I, I do not try to win these things very often. If, if I'm hosting, how could I possibly, uh, win, right? It's, it really wouldn't look right if, uh, it, but I do like to play them down to the end. And then I kind of step away. If I, you know, at the final table, I'll play down to, you know, the last four or something. And then I kind of, I kind of dump my chips. Uh, <laughs> so it's, uh, I don't feel bad about it. It's, it's, it's not, okay. you know, it's not <laughs> it's collusion. It's I'm just giving it away. And sure. so I also, I can't remember the last time I've ever done an event where I didn't have really good friends also supporting that event. And so who do I want to win more me or them? Right. right. So <laughs> I want them winning. And so I, you know, my heart is in the same way that when I go to the World Series of Poker now, I, I, I root for my friends more than myself. And I love, I love coaching people and helping people. And I'm a much better coach than I am a player because I don't really make mistakes as a coach. Uh, and I'm a sponge for, you know, trying to learn from, I've read every book that I could possibly read. And I, I try to take in as much information as possible. Um, and I don't believe that I'm ever the best player in the world. I think that I'm just a really great coach that I can help other people on their path to try to achieve their dreams in poker. And that makes me really happy. That's really cool. And, you know, like anything in life, someone who's been to the mountaintop, you know, however you made your way there, everyone's got their own path. But obviously you've got, you know, beyond poker experience, life experience, you know, so much to be able to impart and that good card sense, you know, since uh, you're a little kid, you know, sure, who the heck wouldn't say, you know, like, yeah, I, I want to get coached by Jamie Gold. That makes a lot of sense. Why not? You know, <laughs> I like that. Um, it's, it's, it's fun. And I also, I, I, I'm glad that you said that because I do, I mentor a lot of people and oh, I, cool. I, 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 get, I try to give back as much as I can. And look, I've been so fortunate in my life to be successful at most things that I've spent my time on and I've learned a lot and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm now 50 and I, I have a lot to give back. And so I, 
any any way that I can help people that I that I have in my life that I care about, it's uh, it's such a pleasure. You know, I don't have a lot of time um, and a lot of bandwidth for this uh, at the moment, but you know, it's not like I wouldn't want to win another poker tournament. It'd be really fun if I did, but it wouldn't mean as much to me as helping somebody else Beautiful. be able to do that, right? And That's so it's thing. it's just it's such a pleasure. I've just found new avenues for enjoyment in life that have nothing to do with my own success. Huh. That, that's really cool. Well, I, guess, I guess I kind of have to ask though, you know, you mentioned, you know, the old home game and you, know, you got your buddies who definitely enjoy poker. Uh, you know, I, again, I know it's been a, a pandemic, but generally speaking, you know, would you say that you still occasionally dabble in the home game cash game streets so often <laughs> but but the second part is what i would really want to ask is if so I do. I do. do you peel off those hundred dollar bills to make the call like you did on high stakes poker or is it just chips nowadays <laughs> oh i've i i i don't remember ever you know playing like that or you know being silly like that other than on high stakes poker that, that was, was a show a great right? scene. That, was, I, that was a performance and and I was just trying to be a character for them. And, uh -huh. and as you, you know, you, you got it, you knew what was happening. That's yeah. not me. <laughs> uh, that's, you know, anyone who knows me knows that that's, that's just not me. Uh, but, but it was fun. And, and yes, I, I certainly still play um, and, you know, not, not much. We, I can only really play online uh, during the pandemic. And so now I'm getting back into being able to play live again, uh, which I love. I, I would always rather play live than online, um, though I do also enjoy playing online. And, you know, I, I got to play with Phil Hummuth and Mike Mattisown, you know, a lot of these kind of private games um, that, you know, I, I won't talk about who's winning and losing, but yeah. I'm very happy to, to say that I've been lucky enough to be invited to to play um in in these games and uh you know whether they like my action or just because we're friendly it's uh it's always nice to have the choice of whether or not you want to play in some of the most fun games in the world because you can do it online so you know you just want to be careful about who you're playing with because online has its own challenges but i'm so excited that it's getting legal again now throughout this country and other countries because the future of online poker is so exciting and yeah. i certainly want to be a part of that um, in any way that it makes sense and so um yeah I, I mean i love playing online i just there's a certain kind of energy to playing live maybe also when when you had mentioned what i missed about being social i really miss the live poker energy of of playing because it is one of my favorite things to do. Certainly my favorite hobby, you know, other than consuming mass amounts of uh, content yeah. <laughs> in uh, movies and TV shows. And that, you know, I've always been doing that my whole life too. And yeah. so, you know, between content and poker and, and, you know, other artistic kind of endeavors, uh, I just, I, I miss that a lot. And so live poker is, always going to have a special place for me. And yeah, I also just, you know, I feel like I'm just a much better player mm -hmm. live. So 
I win a lot more live right. and you know, <laughs> online. I can donate a lot more. Right. <laughs> and, so, and it's also fun. I mean, I, you know, online, I'd be barely paying attention half the time. And so right. it's, you know, it's just, it's, it, it's, it's a great way to pass the time. Right. I understand that. You know, I, I, one of the questions we always ask, you know, basically all of our interviewees, and this kind of makes sense, you know, we're talking about just having a good time, enjoying yourself, being friendly. We call ourselves, you know, the friendliest poker podcast in town. And we always ask our interviewees, <laughs> who is the friendliest player? And if you don't want to single one individual out, you can, you know, shout out a couple of people who have, you know, who you've ever competed against uh, at the poker tables. Who is the friendliest? Wow, that is really tough. I mean, it's so hard to 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 single. I, there's so many players that you know people only kind of know from watching them on television, and then also just so many players who nobody's ever heard of that are so incredibly friendly. But maybe you know the people who who maybe people why don't you. To give me a couple examples of people who people think are not so friendly and I'll let you know if they are, if that is actually true or not, because people Goodness. misunderstand very often. I think that's an easier question to answer okay. because I have, I mean, look, I've made, I, I don't know, maybe, you know, 10 or 20,000 acquaintances or friends uh, at the poker table right. over, over the years. and. It's really, I mean, look, I, I do have a small group of people that I'm much closer to than, than others, but it's, it's so hard to single out when I, when I have that many that I think are so incredibly friendly and, and a lot of people who people wouldn't even know, right? It, it, a lot of, also a lot of the best poker players, people don't know. They're not necessarily competitive. They're not trying to win you know, the poker masters, right. which is great for certain people, but certain people don't care about competing in a tournament structure like that. Right. They're just the greatest cash game players that you've never heard of. Right. I think that's a fair answer. You know, it doesn't have to be a specific person or a leaderboard or anything like that. And, and you know, I, one thing I, <laughs> I like friend, about the answer, friendly leaderboard, right? <laughs> the friendly the leaderboard. Who's friendliest leaderboard. That, that would be funny. <laughs> well, maybe I, I'd hope that I could make that then. I'd hope that I'd be up there. Well, this is episode number 64, and I can say with certainty you're in the top 64 friendly interview. <laughs> <laughs> Don't want to take away from, from our other wonderful interviewees. Um, but one thing I, I do like about your answer, though, you know, you can learn a lot about a person by the people with whom they surround themselves. And, you know, when you say you've got that close group of friends who you do truly enjoy playing, whether it's online, whether it's in person, you know, that does certainly say something about you. And, and you know, that's why I really like your answer there, Jamie. So that's no, a good I'm glad step. you said that. I, one of the things that I've that I've really learned and tried to pass on to other people in life is that always surround yourself with people who are smarter than you. And of course, if you can, you know, people who are kinder, uh, you know, if, if there's even a, a level of that, you can judge that, but we're as kind as you are, but always try, always try to make sure that you're never the smartest person in the room because that's how you grow. And that's how, you know, it's kind of a selfish thing in a way, um, but it's a really smart thing to be, uh, 
and it's it's the way that you can grow and develop and i'm just constantly trying to be you know uh smarter and a better uh person you know in any way that that's possible and so i'm glad that you brought that up because i feel like people sometimes want to be the smartest person that they know and that just never made any sense to me that I, there may have been moments in my younger life, uh, but I certainly, as I got older, realized that, you know, the smartest thing that you can do is to surround yourself with people who are smarter and more successful and, you know, and, and have something to teach you. And so I also just really enjoy, you know, but people who are, um, are driven and, you know, have things that they've accomplished that, that maybe I could never accomplish in my life, but it just makes life so much more interesting. If you just make sure that you, you know, surround yourself with those kind of people. And I've been really lucky. I mean, that my, my current business partners are so much smarter than I am. And so it's, it's, uh, it's just such a pleasure to be around them. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in awe every day of the people that I surround myself with. And so it, it, it kind of brings you, you know, up to that level of achievement when you make sure that you're not the smartest person in the room. That's really cool. And, and you know, uh, dare I say that, you know, folks, if there's, uh, you know, I don't know what's yet to come uh, in, in this episode, but dare I say, if there's another, you know, three minute portion that you you know, cut out and replay to yourselves. That's a really solid nugget of, of life advice there. And, and, and I love it. It's, it's great. Thank you, Jamie. Um, you know, you've said in other interviews that your main focus right now is, you know, producing TV, film, animation, video games, mobile games, virtual reality, and augmented reality. Of course, you've got your philanthropic endeavors that you're involved in, you're investing. You know, someone in your position, you know, at 50, you know, you've made it, you've done well, you get to choose what it is that you want to do. And clearly you are just so incredibly busy, you know, doing those things that you want to do. I'm wondering how do you plan out your schedule and decide what you're going to be doing each day, each week, if, when you want to take a break and how do you make those decisions? Well, it's certainly thoroughly thought out. Uh, I'm, I'm not just winging it every day. Um, and it's, uh, one of the things that we're, we're, we're launching, um, uh, I'm on the board of directors of a company called Simwin sports. Mm -hmm. And if you remember maybe five years ago when esports was kind of taking over the, the hearts and minds of young people, uh, and five still years already. Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah. yeah, it's been, but, but about five years ago is when okay. we started getting into esports and, you know, and it was, it was, on its way to where it is now at, at this incredible level of, uh, you know, of, of, of play and, and mass adoption. So the next generation of that is called simulated sports. So when you see, we're going to launch this at this year's Super Bowl in LA. Uh -huh. And when you see it's, it's all of the leagues surrounding simulated sports. So the difference my partner, David Ortiz, uh, my business partner who created all of this, uh, used to run the Madden series, you know, for EA and he won, you know, so many game of the year awards and he developed, you know, 
Wayne Gretzky 3D hockey when he was in college for Atari, if you remember back when there was something called Atari. I remember Atari, so yes. <laughs> that's how he started. And, and he's always been kind of at the forefront and this legend in the video game business. Uh-huh. And what got me, and certainly what got me into it on the business side of things. <clears throat> and so when we bring it, this out to the world, it's going to blow people's minds how how far we've come with technology and that you almost can't tell the difference. Right now, it looks a little bit realistic, but video games, you, it's still obvious it's a video game. You're not going to be able to tell the difference between simulated sports at a certain point. You know, We're just going to be showing you version one, but wait till we show you version five. And so it's, it's for you know, football, baseball, basketball, hockey, boxing, every sport, every major sport, soccer, uh, People are going to be blown away by all of this. And we have these legendary athletes that own teams and people in the public are going to be able to own teams. People are going to be able to win teams that they can own. And then people will own the, they will, we will drop them as NFTs, all the players. People will then own the players, which we then get to draft as team owners. And they, and they go along a progression as opposed to playing one video game and your player you know, is either good or bad in that game based on what he started at. This is a year long and season long and lifelong progression so that I'll like, I'll have a player that gets hurt and I'll have to draft another player and we'll have free agency. And so kind of like the ultimate combination of real sports, fantasy sports and esports, but everyone gets to interact and be involved in it. And you'll see it. We we have a TV deal. So it'll be on at least in a hundred, 150 million homes. That's when incredible. we come out, my goodness, yeah, it's exciting. It's exciting. And that's one of the things that, that I'm doing, you know, that I've been doing, um, for the last few years and it's really exciting. So when you ask me how I plan my day, you know, I, I, I make that and our new streaming channel, the priority of, um, you know, what I'm, I'm doing. And then right. I, I plan out, you know, at my whole day, my, my days are very well planned out, you know, to the minute of what I'm going to be doing, you know, in the way that I, I plan this out this time with you, yep. you know, I block out time. And so people who, it's, it's funny, I do have a joke between some of my best friends that good luck ever trying to get me on the phone. It's not <laughs> as if I'm avoiding it. There's no such thing. They, they call me and then they text me and say, I forgot who I'm trying to deal with here that I, we have to make appointments right. to actually speak to you. <laughs> and it's, it, it is, it's kind of sad, but true that, Right now, if you want to speak to me, yes, you, you have to make an appointment. It's not that I'm so important. I just, I plan out my days so well right. that I know exactly what I'm doing um, every day and I do not have extra time available, you know, unless something gets moved or canceled, which people, you know, sometimes will, will feel so bad that they're canceling something or, you know, rescheduling something with me. And I can't explain it enough how, what a what a beautiful thing it is that you just gave me a free 15 minutes in my life or a free hour of my mm. life that it is a gift wow. to me when somebody has to reschedule something. I never mind that at all. <laughs> well, so, Pat, you know, money is one thing, but the time is, is one thing you can't get back. I, I think uh, along I'm with attention, it's, you said that. it's our, it's our most valuable commodity. So that much more. So I'm you know, first, first two things there. One, I'm you know grateful for this health. time. And I have to ask you also, I want to make sure we have enough time for the community questions. 
approximately how much more time do you have? I just want to, you know, take up. Oh, with I it. have, I have us until three thirty, so I have another twenty-two minutes. Okay, perfect. We'll make sure we get through it then. Okay, great. So I'll ask you about maybe two or three more, and we'll get through as many uh, of the community questions as we can because a lot of people had questions for you, Jamie. Um, okay. This is something that I know, uh, you know, lots of people love these, the celebrity stories. You know, I know you've been invited to participate in plenty of high stakes private games over the years. They're private. We won't dig deep. You know, we won't name names or anything like that. But if there's perhaps something very memorable or funny that's happened at such a game that, you know, you could share a story with us like that. If not, we can move on. But if there's something that sort of jumps out to you, we'd love to hear it. You know, I'm I'm sorry that I didn't I didn't prepare. You know, as <laughs> you know, as as I know, you like these talks to be spontaneous. <laughs> uh, forgive me that I I didn't I, I haven't really thought about that answer. I'm sure that there is a great story. I just, you know, if there was anything that you heard, maybe I can I can kind of confirm or. Oh, or we all, you know, there's one particular name that comes to mind, you know, may he rest in peace, the wonderful, you know, fantastic, charming Norm McDonald is, was there, did you ever get to play oh with Norm? Oh my, oh, of course. I mean, he was a, he was a good friend and one of the kindest, most genius people that, that never really got his due. Like he should have, he should have had the David Letterman type of show. And he should have replaced one of those people when they, you know, when they retired or what have you. I mean, it was just really, he deserves so much more in his career than he was given. But uh, yes, I, I, I played with him a lot. I actually ended up coaching him oh, really? uh, for, for, for tournaments. Yeah. And, and we were having a lot of fun. It was just, he's just, what a pleasure. He made me laugh so hard and <laughs> he was just such an incredible mind. We were also planning on doing a couple of, of projects together. You know, I was going to include him in our streaming channel. Uh, I, I mean, I just, uh, I, this is kind of, uh, you know, really hitting me. Um, oh, I'm so sorry. No, I know it's was, okay. No, no, no. I, I, I love remembering people oh. that, that we've lost. And so uh, to answer your question, I, I, yes, I have played with Norm a lot. And uh, let's see, I could, okay, I could tell you without exactly saying, you know, who won or lost or anything like that. I know he wouldn't mind me saying that we could also remember another. So, you know, such a dear friend of mine, Sam Simon, who was one of the creators of, of the Simpsons and, yeah. um, you know, did Cheers and Taxi and, and the Drew Carey show. And I think he won like 18 or 22 Emmys and one of the most generous incredible human beings that that I had ever known uh that we lost sadly I, I think it's now five or six years ago yeah. mm -hmm. uh, Sam hosted all of us at his home he had a little private game and that was one of the most fun things that you could ever imagine because it was almost all comedians <laughs> so it would be you know Harry <laughs> and, and Norm Macdonald and like you know the people from the Howard Stern show which uh -huh. Sam you know, was was a part of for a while and uh, you know it's and I'm not sure who else would want to be named and so okay, I'll, I'll reserve fair. that that's but fine. certainly Jennifer Tilly wouldn't mind and um what an incredible time we would have it also one of the nicest 
you know, palatial homes on the ocean uh-huh. that you could ever imagine. You know, after <laughs> Sam, you know, and all his billions of dollars, he 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 had this incredible place, and so we would play there every once in a while. And Norm, I mean, he just he would just have us, you know, in stitches. Same as as Drew Carey that. It, it 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 became so much more than the cards, right? It didn't really matter to me who won or lost. Um, I don't think it mattered that much to anyone else. You know, we weren't even necessarily playing for that much money. It was just some of you know the the funniest, most interesting times that you could have. Which then it evolved into a game on television called Sam's Game, hmm. which was like the Sam Simon home game, right? Uh, in, in which I actually didn't end up playing on. I was traveling when they were shooting because they shot it all within, I think, a week. Okay. And then so it looked like they were playing all year, but it was really shot within one week. Right. So uh, that, yeah, I mean, I I, 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 I have so many great stories about Norm, but we will, um, we just don't have enough time to get into sure. all of that. So sure. well, that's pretty it's, cool, uh, though. And I appreciate you sharing that little window into. Uh, I think what's nice about that as well is, you know, yeah, you know, we we you know the, the non celebrities, you know, we the fans, you know, we're we, you know it's cool. We're kind of starstruck hearing about it. But what you know kind of warms my heart is that among yourselves, there's just sort of that camaraderie. You can let your hair down, be normal people, make each other laugh, and just enjoy life like you said it's not about the money you know at that point it's just about the, the experience i think it's a beautiful thing and uh really cool to to hear that little window uh you know and of course you know uh, may he may he rest in peace norman and sam um thank you for oh, sharing absolutely that, and, I'll, and i'll tell you uh, you know one one of my favorite people who does keep me laughing now all the time um in uh you know in a private uh, uh poker game would be kevin pollock Ooh, okay. if you know if you know kevin Sure. You know, he's a brilliant mind and incredible artist and, you know, actor, writer, director, and producer and comedian. And uh, just, you know, it's uh, he's uh, he's certainly been doing that for for a long time. And so I'm uh, I just feel fortunate that uh, that, uh, you know, people like that exist. Right. These incredible artists who are also the funniest people who you know, just make playing poker sometimes uh, even that much more interesting. Right. And so, you know, if we can, uh, yeah, we can share some, you know, experiences like that, but, but, uh, you know, I'm not sure if, uh, if I'm at liberty to share anything personal um, about those experiences. And so don't worry about it at all. That's fine. Yeah. I'll keep that. Yeah. I'll keep that private, but um, cool. But yeah, um, it's uh, I'm glad you asked. Cool. And I do want to get one more of my questions in while we still have the time before we get to the community questions. It's just and I always save the you know the the quote unquote the biggie for the last one. You know, you've said in the past that you 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 don't um and I'll you know I'll quote this. This is you, you don't value money like other people do, but rather you value people and uh, people, relationships and experiences. And obviously that is very in line with what you've said up until now on the show. Uh, your big win, you know, in 2006 will always be part of your legacy, no matter what. You're always going to be the champ, Jamie. But how and for what would you like to be remembered? 
Huh. Good question. Uh, how and for what would I like to be remembered? I mean, I, I would hope that people would remember me for trying to be a, you know, a positive force for the world in as, as a force for good and, you know, living my life with purpose and giving back to as many people as, as I could and just really being, you know, extra kind and generous to the people that I love and care about and, you know, my family and friends and things like that, uh, where, and maybe that I, I helped other people's dreams come true. I think that, you know, one of the things that I've been really fortunate to be able to do is to make other people's dreams come true. And so it's, it's rarely about myself in anything that I do. I'm always thinking about other people first and how I can be of service to them and how I can be of value to anyone that I'm working with or spending my time with. And so I, you know, I hope that that's how I'm remembered. Um, you know, poker is certainly uh, a part of my life, but it's, uh, you know, an achievement of me winning the world series of poker. I know that it's impossible that I won't be remembered for that. <laughs> it's, uh, it's just, it's the thing that I did that was the most famous, you know, the thing that people would recognize, but I would hope that people would remember me for, you know, the, what I tried to do for the world and humanity and that I, I call myself a citizen of the universe. And so it's that I feel like we are all connected and that we are all part of something larger and that it's rarely, if ever, about us, right? About us alone. That it's, you know, the less that you focus on yourself, I think the, also the happier you will be in life. And so, you know, what I, what I do for other people sometimes also is, you know, is just filling my own soul because, I, you know, I'd always rather give gifts than receive gifts. And so a lot of times, you know, being generous is also being kind to yourself because it just makes me so happy to make other people happy. And you're just, you know, you're pulling on my heartstrings. It's just, it's beautiful and, and incredibly touching. And, and I hope so too. I, I really hope that, uh, you know, that, that manifestation of what it is, you know, I, how could it not be? You're just a, a wonderful human being. And, and gosh, you know, the, the Jamie Gold that I know has certainly come out. You? It's wonderful. It's a, so thank you. Yeah. Um, you, you uh, you've always been someone who I admire, Robbie, the way that you have, have built your life and handled yourself and, you know, you give back and are so kind to so many people. Um, you just make people smile. And, and it's, uh, I'm so glad that we've met and that we've known each other. And I, I do, you know, follow what you do in the poker world, which is always in a positive way. 
it's um it's just been such a pleasure and i'm glad that you're with cards chat now because i'd always been a fan you know of you and the brand Very and cool. i think that you know you have such a great path ahead of you um, and there's no limit to what you can accomplish all together so it's um you know it's really a, a pleasure to be here with you my goodness, that's um, wow! Thank you. That's incredibly uh, flattering, and I'm honored you say that, Jamie. Thank you. Um, I appreciate that. Gosh, I, I want to just keep talking to you for another hour and a half, but um, I want to make sure we get in some questions from our our listeners. Uh, you know, they they kindly yeah. submitted it. So, um, in this segment of the show, we turn to everyone out there in the cards chat community to see what questions you guys wanted to ask our guests. And of course we have a dedicated thread on the cards chat forums for this. So as we announce who our future guests will be, please be sure to send in your questions. And I'm really happy to see some new names here. Uh, you know, we got, uh, I'd say about you know four or five of them. So hopefully we'll try to get to them all. Um, Edgar Rick, uh, I hope I pronounced that right. Uh, Edgar Rick, thank you so much for sending this one in. Uh, Jamie, Edgar Rick wants to know, does your aggressive style of play from early in your career still work for you today? Uh, yes and no. I mean, it's... Uh, it's <laughs> Still my style, uh, but it always it doesn't always work because people assume that's how I'm going to play, and so I do get caught a little bit more often than I would like. Uh, bluffing, uh -huh, let's yeah. say, if we call, if we equate aggressive with kind of bluffing, uh -huh. uh, but it also I also get paid off more than most players that I've ever known because. You know, people just have a really hard time folding to me <laughs> based on what they've seen on television. But let's also say that I am someone who's on a constant path of learning and education in life and certainly in poker. And so I am definitely not the same player that people have seen, you know, 13 years ago or whenever it was that they were watching me on television. Even I, I think my last high stakes poker or poker after dark was right before I got sick with COVID. So mm -hmm. I think it was about two years ago uh -huh. was my last poker after dark. I was playing in Vegas and right. um, I, I tried to play much tighter and try <laughs> to, you know, I didn't want to be, I didn't want to look really silly and, uh, and just constantly being so aggressive. There were also just more, you know, some crazy aggressive, like Randall Emmett, right. you know, people who are just constantly shoving in. And so that, adjust the way that you play uh -huh. but yes i'm still very often the most aggressive player in whatever games i'm playing and because i enjoy to push the envelope i enjoy that kind of style of play uh -huh. and so and i change gears all the time but i'm also uh i love action right and so win or lose i i, I like to play the game in an aggressive way and cool. so I hope that answers the question and I'll try to answer them a, a little bit quicker so that we get through all your questions. Cool. That's good. Thank you. And th that definitely does. And it kind of like uh, dovetails into the next question from Scold Pada. Thank you very much, Scold Pada, for submitting this one, um, who, who asks, on high stakes poker, you said you thought you could become the, the best bluffer around, but not the best player. So Scold Pada wants to know, how's the progress going for your bluffing game? <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure what you know that that I wasn't just saying things to say them back then uh -huh. uh, when I was just trying to be a character on the show. And so they asked me, you know, to kind of play up the whole, you know, bluffing thing. And uh -huh. 
I, um, I, I also just was honestly saying, I, I don't think that I would, that I would ever put in the kind of time that it takes to be the best player. Um, but I can, you know, hopefully I could be the best player that I can ever be someday. But as a bluffer, uh, I, I think I had the opportunity, but I didn't also put in enough time to, to try to, you know, be the greatest bluffer that I could be. I have still have so much more to learn. Um, I, I maybe, you know, it's also, I think a lot of it has to do with how often you use that muscle. Right. And so if, if I was playing every day and I was competing in, especially in, you know, high stakes tournaments, um, constantly, you know, at least every week, every month, I think that I would have, I have the ability to be a world-class bluffer, let's say, but I just haven't really put in that kind of time. And so it's probably not going as well as I would have planned it to at that time uh, from high stakes poker. But I look, I, I hopefully I still have a long life ahead of me Amen. and I have plenty of time to still get back, you know, into poker more. And so I would say that there, I have a lot more bluffing left in me, especially <laughs> on, I'm going to go and play on high stakes poker and poker after dark. And I'm still going to compete in those shows Awesome. Once I'm allowed to fly again, which will be next year. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, Louvart, Lovart, I'm not sure I pronounced that correctly, but thank you for submitting this one. Uh, Louvart says, for sure no one can tab you as a nit or a scared player or a boring person to watch, Jamie. You were always very entertaining. When you won the WSOP bracelet, you took risks in crucial pots that helped you build a massive stack and finally win the title. So in your opinion, Louvart wants to know, is that approach the best way to become a very good MTT player or is a more conservative, uh, quote unquote, Phil Hellmuth style approach better suited to MTTs? Well, I mean, if you had to pick one or the other, I would, I would certainly follow Phil Helmuth's style. I don't know that I would even call him that conservative. I think that, I think that people mistake him for being conservative because you don't see all of the aggression and he's so good at, at playing without you understanding what he's doing, that he's certainly the greatest no limit hold'em tournament player that I've ever known. Yeah. Uh, and so I, I, if, if anybody's ever going to choose between me and Phil Hummuth, I don't think there's much of a choice. I uh, certainly follow Phil Hummuth. Uh, okay. There's, there's no choice in that matter, but uh, I do think that all players should learn all styles okay. so that one, you have that in your kind of, you know, in your bag of, of, of tricks, let's uh -huh. say, sure, and sure. you, you should always be changing gears and playing in, in different styles, but also learn everyone's style so that you'll see it when it's happening to you. A lot of what you want to learn in poker has nothing to do with how you play. You need to learn how everyone else plays. And that's why the game changes every year or two and players are playing so differently now than they used to play that if you just stay the same, and play the same style, which people think Phil Helmuth is just playing the same style as he always has. I disagree. I think he is always adjusting his game. He's just not necessarily learning from new players because 
He doesn't have to learn from new players. He is so, you know, dialed in and tuned into his own evolution that he just has his own style and his own way of doing things. And it obviously works. He's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely the goat. Uh, 16 going on, I don't know, 35 bracelets for this guy He's gonna, before he He's goes. He's incredible. And that's not to take away from Danny Negreanu or Phil Ivey or any of it. They're also incredible in their own way. Yeah. And, and so it, there's a lot of people who always are looking for who's the number one best poker player in the world. I don't know that you can ever say that. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it, it, first of all, it's subjective. Uh, second of all, it's if if it's in any one category, then you can say you're based on a certain type of tournament. The, who won the most tournaments? Sure, mm-hmm. but it, but it but overall, it's a very general and subjective thing. And so there's a lot of incredible players, and mm-hmm. he deserves all the credit for everything that he's accomplished. And so do other players yeah. for what they've accomplished in different ways, right? And so yeah. it's I'm 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 a big fan still. Of so oh. many other players, I, oh. I think that it's yeah. There, there's there's so much to learn from from them. Right, we're, we're all big Helm, uh, Phil Helmuth fans. He was episode number four here on the Cards Chat podcast. So, folks, if you want to learn more, hear more from the goat, uh, you can listen to episode number four. Jamie, do we have time for one last one, or should we wrap it up? Uh, yes, I, I I sent them a message that I'm I'm going to be a little late, and they're fine. Okay, so we'll do what? Thank you. We'll do one last one from our good friend Acid Burn FX. Uh, best name, best, most creative questions he always asks. So thank you very much for submitting this final question of the podcast today. Um, I think it's appropriate to end off on this note, uh, Jamie. What small gesture Acid Burn FX wants to know? What small gesture from a stranger made a big impact on you? Uh, hold on one second. I apologize. I was just texting uh, so that I can so that I can have a few extra minutes here. No problem. Uh, sorry. Can can you ask me that again? Sure. Burn FX wants to know what small gesture from a stranger made a big impact on you. What small gesture from a stranger about poker? No, not necessarily. Just in life, oh, just something in that life. you may have witnessed or seen. In life, a small gesture from a stranger. My, there are so many, but I'll just, I'll try to start early uh, in my, in my kind of call it a uh, wanting to be successful so young when I was 16 and still in high school, I had, had, had the plan. I wanted to be a talent agent for artists, for actors and writers and directors, but I had no, no contacts. I had never met anyone in that business. And, uh, someone was very kind to me. And when I was, uh, visiting, uh, the college that university that I ended up going to in New York, I met someone who was kind enough to introduce me to a famous talent agent in Manhattan and gave me that ended up to be my first internship. And I worked for free all my entire time in college, all my summers, Christmas break, spring break. You know, I think I took maybe one spring break to have fun, but otherwise I I gave all my time for free over four years which then ended up allowing me, you know, I, I had a job waiting for me the day I graduated and how I became an agent, you know, before I was 21 
And so, which is not the most impressive thing because being the least experienced agent in Hollywood, um, you're the youngest, but you're also the least experienced. Good luck trying to sign clients. So I had to work with just who I thought were the most talented people who then ended up, you know, becoming these incredible world-class artists, but very difficult to, uh, to sign clients when you are a, um, when you're the least experienced. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Well, that, that's a pretty cool thing. And, and a beautiful note, you know, again, the, the positive things that, you know, just some, a nice gesture can do, you know, what, what an amazing impact it could have. Uh, folks, thank you very much to everyone who sent in questions for Jamie Gold. And of course, a friendly reminder to everyone out there in the Cards Chat community, we'd love to see you submit your questions for our future podcast guests in the dedicated thread on the forums. Please be sure to give us a good review on iTunes and spread the word via your social media channels if you like the show. Jamie, before we let you go, is there anything else you'd like to tell our listeners? No, I just really appreciate you having me and always a pleasure, Robbie. And I uh, look forward to seeing you soon. Amen. Very cool. Jamie, thank you very much. Thank you all for tuning in once again to another episode of the Cards Chat Podcast. I'm Robbie Straczynski. You can follow me on Twitter at CardPlayerLife. I wish you all a wonderful day. Cards Chat, the friendliest poker podcast in town from the world's number one poker community.